Hello, my friends. I am so excited and so grateful to be speaking all over the world this year. You can find the dates on moderncto.io. The topic of the talk is the habits and patterns of the greatest technology leaders on earth. So I'm headed out to Williams-Sonoma in California, Trimble and Boulder CU in Colorado, and the Tennessee Tech Council. If you want to follow me on this adventure, we have a vlog and it's done really well by Alex, our director of video. So to follow this vlog, add me on LinkedIn or follow us on YouTube at Modern CTO. Today we are talking to RVP, the vice president of engineering at Thumbtack. And we discuss advice to CTOs experiencing hypergrowth, tips on delivering critical feedback, and the importance of setting goals and having a vision for the future. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's a wonderful day. It's beautiful here. Um, yeah. We're down in Florida. Where are you at? We are in San Francisco. San so Francisco. it's a little bit cloudy and colder than Florida, I'm sure. But San Francisco is always cold. Even in the summer, it's cold. Yeah, it's the same weather throughout the year. There's, there's almost no seasons here. So, <laughs> so I've got to ask, how do I pronounce your first name? I go by RVP. So my name is Raghavendra, uh, okay. but I've gone by RVP since like undergrad. So uh, that's what I usually go by. RVP? Yeah, that's right. Is that your initials? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. RVP is actually, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Okay, I'll call you RVP. Sure, yeah. All right, so it's early for you right now. You just get to work? Yeah, I usually get into work around 8.45. Uh, I, I have a commute, so I commute from uh, what, one hour away from here, so I take a train. Uh, and uh, so I try to get in early and then try to leave early so I can spend some time with my family in the evening. Yeah, I saw you have a daughter, it says. Yeah, I have a three-year-old, uh, so yeah. I have a 16-month-old daughter. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I, think, I thought I saw that in your LinkedIn profile photo, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's amazing. Much smaller then, right? Yeah, but. Is that, is that your only kid? Yeah, that's my only kid. It's just, you know, it's hard is right now she's like, as I'm leaving in the morning, she runs to the door and like, doesn't want me to leave and like yells, did yours ever do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, now, nowadays I leave early enough that she's not up yet. So oh, okay. my wife's doing the drop off in the morning, but I get to spend time, her, time with her in the evenings before she goes to bed. Uh, so I'm home by about 6.30 or so, 6.45, and, and then I get like a good two hours. She's having dinner in the middle, like, uh, and just like, yeah, just hang out a little bit, uh, talk about her day. Uh, there's some photos from her preschool. I mean, she doesn't remember her day at this point. She's like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I did the same thing. But, but then we look over those photos, and that sort of jogs her memory. And then, then we talk about what she did, which is, which is always fun. Yeah, one of my friends, uh, his daughter is, I think, five or six, and the preschool she goes to has cameras everywhere, and it has the vision system, so it tracks her and tags her, so oh, no wow. matter where he is, he can pull up his camera and see where she's at in school, and oh. it, it sends updates. You can set it up to send updates, so it's like constantly watching. I was like, that's... <laughs> totally different than how my school was <laughs> that's amazing yeah I, yeah this one is not that fancy it's like more like one of the preschool teachers takes a few photos during the day uh like things that she does and stuff like that and they send a small note hey this is what your daughter did today and uh, it's fun to see that but, but that that sounds fancy <laughs> right i think that like continuous monitoring like just check whenever you want to right but yeah, it's like it's. I'm used to seeing the videos on social media or something where right. it's got the AI detection rectangle around the right. the object, but if you're not used to seeing that, like in a preschool classroom, <laughs> that's pretty fancy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, so how did you how did you fall in love with technology? What was your earliest memory with technology? Um, so that's the interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, I I think I always wanted to. Do something with computers and computer science since like 
middle school or elementary school or something like that. Like uh, I remember my, and this was like growing up in the eighties, like nineties, right? Like I remember my dad, my dad was into like sort of computer parts and supply at the time. Like he's done different things in his career, like, but he's an engineer, uh, like sort of an electrical engineer by training. And, and so he, he got me one of these, uh, I forgot which one it was, but like I did like basic programming, like in fourth grade or something like that. And, that was when I really got into it. And, and, and like very early on, like someone asked me what, what I want to do. Like I was pretty sure I wanted to be in computer science, which, which I think turned out well, because like this was sort of an area which as I was growing up was booming. There was so many opportunities, so many cool things to do. And, uh, and that's sort of how I went into it. Dude, my father, electrical engineer too. And he had oh. this, yeah. And one of my earlier memories is he's had this um, cheese board, you know, mm. and he was so pumped because he had gone to Radio Shack and you had one of those uh, cases that has all the little tiny drawers on it so you can have all your little electronics in it. I see. And he's like, check it out. We got LEDs. Like he was like really <laughs> pumped about LEDs. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, they come in different colors and like it's, they're amazing now. And yeah. so he was showing me how to take the LED with the cheese board and like actually get it to light up and do something. And that's uh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I was looking at the toys that you get these days. There's some pretty fancy toys, right? Like I sometimes like look at Amazon, like what are some toys I can get for my daughter? And then like, there was some, like, there's some, this like electrical circuit thing, which sound, sounded good. It was more like for eight plus year olds. Uh, like, yeah, maybe I can get that and start you know, looking at it myself. And then like, uh, at some point my daughter might engage with it, but, but it's so fancy what the types of things you can, uh, you have access to these days. I know it's like the Adrenos are like 60 bucks or something right. or the raspberry yeah. pies. It's just, it's un, that did not exist when I was a kid. Yeah. Like it just, it wasn't even close. I mean, I'm, I'm about 31. I don't know how old you are, but yeah, about 31. Good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we're not like too far off because right when like computers started, like we were, I was rare to have a computer, like yeah. Yeah. not like no one, none of the kids around had the computers. It wasn't until about, like middle school, but I started real young because uh, it was just, my dad had to have it for work, but. Yeah, and it was even rarer when, I grew up in India in Bangalore. So Bangalore is now sort of known as this sort of IT hub uh, and so on in India, but but it wasn't then, right? Like, it, like most of that was like sort of in the 90s to late 90s. Like that's when it, a lot of those IT companies in Bangalore started up. Uh, but my dad was into this like, earlier than most and like and that's why i sort of got into it and, and then of course like video games and all of that but. Oh, of course you gotta have some <laughs> call of duty type stuff yeah. How, yeah how do you how do you go from some basic programming to you know vp of engineering technologist at thumbtack yeah so yeah like i said so i was always into computer science so then i started uh, i did my undergrad in computer science uh, in bangalore uh, actually near bangalore and then i came to the us like 2002 or something and and then i uh, studied computer science at sort of uh, university of illinois at urbana champaign and and then my first job was at microsoft so i kind of started at larger companies so i was at microsoft for a few years and then google for a few years and and I started in like sort of developer tools, compilers, that sort of thing. But then I got super interested in search. So the next many years of my career were in search. And so this was Bing, except that it wasn't, so like basically Bing starting up, right? It wasn't even called Bing. Uh, it was called back then MSN Search because MSN was a big brand uh, at, at the time. And that was called Live Search or something. But this was basically the first 25 engineers or so at what is now called Bing where uh, we, uh, we were like, hey, search is big, Google's doing great, let's do something here. And it is this sort of high energy moment. Like, yeah, like, let's go build a search engine. It's like, let be, let's beat Google at their game. And then like, I was doing that for a few years and it was fun. Like, it, it was kind of like a startup within Microsoft. So I was used to the sort of the more traditional Microsoft for the first couple of years. And then I got into this, so like whole different world. Like it's a small, small environment. Like we felt like we could do whatever we wanted build out a whole stack from the ground up and given a lot of freedom and a lot of resources. And so that was fun. Uh, we essentially built sort of pieces of search engine from the ground up. So I was working on sort of index serving, like how do we build the index, search engine index, and then how do we sell that to millions of users and all of that. But eventually at some point I decided, actually, I think it's, uh, I'd love to do this at Google. <laughs> and, 
and and so I uh, came to the uh, San Francisco area, the Bay Area, and I was at Google for a few years uh, working on the crawler. And that was that was a lot of fun, like technically super interesting. Like working on the crawler at Google felt great at the time. Like hey, like this is sort of the the biggest crawler out there. We are working on sort of the cutting edge problems in web crawling, and it was fun. And I learned a lot and got to work with some really good people. But at some point, it's got like I think you start to think of in large companies sometimes, like, what's my impact on the company, right? Like, like, how can you do that? And then I, like, I was like looking for going into something earlier stage. And this was like, I think 2010 or 2011 or something like that. And that's when I moved to Twitter. And Twitter was not a small startup. It felt to me like a small startup because I, I came from these large companies, like large public companies. And, and Twitter was at the time, like, I think, 80 or so engineers or 70 or something like that. It was not small, but for me, it was a pretty big change, but it was a lot of fun. Like, and, and, and so I, I did started by doing search at, at Twitter. So that was my background. And then at some point I moved to storage system, like how do we store data and so on? Because that's, that's sort of where at the time Twitter's problems were, like the hardest problems at Twitter was like managing scale. I don't know if you remember the pale whale and some of these things, like Twitter saw this huge rapid growth very early on, like multiple percent week over week, month over month, and the systems were not keeping up, right? Like, and so some of us who are working on other problems on Twitter, like, hey, like, let's go work on just scaling that the site. And so it so sort of got into infrastructure and sort of backend systems, distributed systems, that sort of stuff. And did that for a few years, then went to Pinterest. And that's sort of when I got into management leading teams and uh, eventually I was leading uh, all of the sort of backend systems teams, like what we call infrastructure at Pinterest. And then I got to Thumbtack where I shifted into working on consumer product experiences type of stuff, still with an engineering, but with a focus on uh, more the product side of things and infrastructure and, and onward to where I am now. So now. So if I go on, on Thumbtack's website and use your search, it'll be like incredibly fast, right? <laughs> That's what we hope it to be. It's just, like, <laughs> we are never satisfied with how good it is. Like, we always want to make it faster. Like we in fact like have some initiatives right now to like make it faster and like more relevant and so on. Uh, but yeah, we, like uh, in, in some ways, Thumbtack is a search engine, but really oriented towards finding you the right professional for what you want, right? So uh, Google's job as a search engine is, is to go very broad and give you a lot of tools to research. We actually want to do, solve a different problem. Like we want to find that right match for you, right? Like this is the hardest problem. And this is ultimately what Thumbtack's trying to solve is like so hard to find that right plumber or gardener for, for you, right? Like for what you want. It's not that you don't have access to a lot of tools that give you like, hey, here's like hundred different plumbers in your area. Like there's all these tools that give you that, but it's hard to narrow down to like, hey, like price point, the fit for me. And in some categories, it's the fit matters more than others. Like a photographer, you want someone like maybe like fits your style, like uh, whereas uh, some other categories you're looking for, like price point, all of these things, but you want to narrow that down. And so it's, uh, it's interesting. Like our problem is to narrow that, help you narrow down into that exact right pro that you want to hire for a particular job. It's more similar to, I think, like, like an Airbnb or like a flight search or finding that right place to stay when you travel, like finding that right flight that you want to take when traveling somewhere rather than the broader retrieval problem that uh, the search engines have. You make a fantastic point, especially with creative collaboration. So at our company, we have videographers and audio producers. And so we have this creative collaboration aspect to it. So when you talk about finding the right photographer for you, the human plays like a big role. And when you open up a directory or a Google search and you get all these results of phone numbers, photographers, that doesn't tell you who is going, like who they are. And that's what sort of, uh, uh, that's what I think has made hiring a professional to do a job for you just particularly hard. Like so hard that like as a homeowner, for example, like you have a never ending to-do list, which I feel like is a challenge as a homeowner, but good for Thumbtack. <laughs> yeah. You have this sort of never, like you fix one problem, you have one more problem. And, but like you, you usually that stays on your to-do list because unless you want to do it yourself, in which case some, some of some things you can do yourself, but other, other things are harder and, and, but it's so hard. Like it takes so much time to do that research. And so Thumbtack started with that premise and then uh, we evolved our product even over the last two years to 
essentially try to give you a search oriented experience, an interactive search experience, which turns out like a lot of things that you do online are end up being interactive searches, like uh, buying a product on Amazon. You usually start with a search query and you see a bunch of options, you filter, you say, hey, like I'd like four star and above, or like this price range, and, and then you narrow down to what you want and then you, uh, then you buy. Uh, and that's sort of our vision for where, where Thumbtack can go. Like today you can't quite book that pro, but we are getting really close and we wanna, that's our goal. Like you should be like within minutes, find someone that you really like, see all the information, and this you can do today. Like, Find the information you want, like reviews, past work, past projects, photos, give you all access to that. Give you a price, it's super key. And, and, and you can't do that in all categories, like home remodel and so on, like we can't give you a price, but, but in many things you can, like house cleaning, like all of these things, we can give you a price. And once you have those, then you have like, okay, like I've narrowed down to like these three or four people, let me contact them, see what works best and schedule and, and move on. And so when it works well, it's, it's really powerful. Like, I mean, I, I take a train ride home and I'm like, hey, like I need to hire someone this weekend. And, and, and then sometimes like you find that right person, they, you hear back and, uh, and then that's, that's magic, right? Like our goal is to make that really consistent and, and yeah, a long way to go to like really deliver that experience in a consistent way, works all the time, works across all the thousand categories that Thumbtack has. Well, I love the brand and the interface, the experience feels open and clean and easy to navigate the information. So I always like to give shout outs to the branding and, and design teams when they do really good jobs. You know, I'm just like a, I'm a sucker for good design. When I see good design, it gives, it allows the company to make more mistakes. Um, yeah. Like with other things, because it's just, you can win my heart with, with good user interface. No, absolutely. And that's the, that's the thing I always wonder, right? Like, the, the design seems like magic to me as an engineer. Like that's the one area where like, wow, like I, this is magic. Like, I mean, you, you think of a product that you want to build and Thumbtack operates in a very cross-functional way, right? Like designers, product managers, engineers are all sort of involved in every step of the product building process. And, and so we think of like, yeah, this, we would like to build this. And then you hand it over to a designer and and then you get their designs back. Like it, it's like magic. Like, wow, like how did that happen? Like that, that's sort of exactly what I wanted, but I didn't know that I, that's what I wanted. And you're right. Like it's, it's a nice craft and like working with really good designers, like is such a great experience. You made all of these transitions from, you know, different levels of your career through engineering into leadership and, and even farther into leadership, right? What are some of the lessons that stand out to you, you know, value that you can bring to the audience? Let's pretend that you know we have some engineering uh, individual contributors and they're looking to level up and become a first-time leader what mm -hmm. advice would you give to them i'm sure you have those types of people at your company i think yep. you have over 150 in engineering right that's right yeah yeah so what if, if they sit you down right and and they ask you for your personal advice about how to take that next step what do you tell them that's a good question uh so the, the first thing I'd say is I think uh, leadership has, there's different sort of forms of leadership. Like one thing I like to tell people is uh, sometimes people have a view of what leadership means, right? Like it's about management, managing larger teams and going down that path. Uh, but actually in, in tech, there's different forms of leadership, right? Like you can uh, lead by, by being really good at your craft, like really really good at engineering and sort of have this broad influence without going down the management path uh, because the management path has some things that I think like engineers don't realize. I mean, it's like people management is sort of a big part of a large part of your time. And uh, as a manager is spent thinking about people and organizations and so on, right? Like, so first of all, I think like people have to figure out how they want to develop. Do, do you want to develop by being a sort of an architect or principal engineer, or do you want to go down a manager path? Right? Like, and there's flavors of sort of where you can combine the two it's technical tech lead type of roles where you can uh, and do that. And, and honestly, I mean, I think like one thing I like to talk about is like, where do you want to be in about five years? Like, and start to think about what opportunities you can take to do that. And it doesn't always work out the, the way you plan, but I think it still helps to think that way. Like, for example, I, when I started off my career for the first few years of my career, I was sure I would never want to go be a manager, right? Like I was sure, I was convinced, like, this is not for me. Like I really enjoy building stuff. And, 
I pushed aside any opportunities to move into management. In fact, part, part of the reason that I moved to Google was uh, at the time in Microsoft, it felt like the easiest path to grow in your career is to go down the manager path. And I didn't want to do that. And Google was famously known at the time for like, uh, this was sort of like 2007 Google, right? Like it was a place where there were very few managers. It was super flat. Like you had 100 people reporting to one person and all of that. Like, so a very technical organization. And, and uh, things have evolved and like that, that model doesn't quite work scale and so on and things have evolved but but like as an engineer who wanted to be technical that felt like well, this is what i want to do but at some point i found through actually this was when i was at twitter uh, i took on a tech lead type of position where i realized that like i can have higher impact by guiding other engineers than trying to do everything myself right like because there's only so many hours in the day there's only so much that you can get done yourself and at some point you realize like I can guide other people and, and it's so rewarding when, when that goes well, right? Like, like you see someone coming fresh out of school, a lot of potential, and then you help guide them to grow and have impact. Then I started to realize, well, like this is super rewarding and, and, and I'd like to like, take this on and like be good at it. That's how sort of I got into management. So that's what I would say is like being open to possibilities that come up. I mean, you have a five-year plan on where you want to go but your career tends to take you in different ways depending on what comes up and to be open to that and be open to taking on sort of what I would call, this is what I tell every engineer, like take on that stretch challenge, right? Like, like especially to people who are doing really well, take on the thing which you think you cannot do. Like just sort of like, oh, like, that's hard. Like, I don't know if I can do that, right? Like that's the type of thing you want to take on. Every so often you want to make sure that you're feeling stretched and growing. That's the best, best, best way to grow is like, taking on something which is just seems out of reach, like both to you and your manager. Like, like I, don't know, I don't know if I'm ready for that. But yeah, like let's take it on and, and try it out because more often than not, like really good performers, like they lean in and, and, and they grow through that process. And, and, and then you take on the next challenge and so on. And that usually leads to growth in, in whichever direction that works for you. Now, do you do like round tables or workshops? Like how do you engage, how do you engage with your engineers? Mostly through one-on-one conversations. So, I mean, we are at the phase, I mean, like 150 odd people that I, I think it still works to do a lot of things one-on-one. So I obviously spend a lot of time with people that report to me, but I also have like a two or three hour block each week where I'm just meeting people from the broader engineering team, either folks that have expressed an interest in meeting me or I feel like, oh, like I'd like to catch up with these, uh, with these folks. And, and so that's how we, we do round tables and other things. So we have, a, we have sort of a mentorship program at Thumbtack where anyone can sign up to be a mentor and anyone can sign up to be a mentee and then we pair them. Uh, so that works actually beyond engineering. And we have sponsorship programs that we're working on for sort of high potential leaders, sort of emerging leaders who uh, are on a, on a good path to get to sort of an executive level, a director and above position. So a few different forms of this, uh, but I like to spend a lot of time one-on-one with engineers from across the organization. And, and this is what I sort of talk about, like, uh, are you feeling engaged? Are you growing? And we do things to make sure people are growing. And sometimes it comes at a short-term cost to the company. Like, for example, like, let's say you take a really good front-end engineer who is one of our best, right? Like, doing super well, has done that for the last two years or three years. But you can sense that that person's like feeling bored or like, like not quite feeling bored, but you, you see that like, oh, like this person is really good at their craft. So like, what more can they do, right? Like, and sometimes the right option for something like that is like a change of pace. Like uh, we had one of our front-end engineers a few months back move into like iOS development, right? Like that's a new area for them. And yes, there's a short-term cost to the, the team. Like, hey, like we just sort of, one of our best front-end engineers now sort of a, an emerging or sort of a learning iOS engineer. But in the long run, it works out because in a few months, like that person ramps up and then, and then so they are happy and the team's happy. And then, um, so sometimes we do that, like people move from engineering into data science. So we encourage movement and even like between teams at Thumbtack, that's one way to grow. Uh, the other way to grow is in taking on different roles and new challenges. You mentioned that there was a, like a higher level manager program. Yeah. type thing that you just mentioned. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I'm kind of interested. I'm interested in that. Yeah, this is something we are just, we are just starting to pilot this quarter, but uh, it's actually focused on sort of some, it started off focused on uh, uh, diversity uh, and inclusion initiatives. So uh, how can we sponsor underrepresented sort of areas and, and women leaders and so on to 
get those opportunities and get mentorship to grow into leadership um, so that we can continue to make our leadership team more diverse. So we have sort of, uh, sort of a leadership team and then we have an extended leadership team, which is all our directors and above. And we're always looking at sort of ways where we can build diversity into that. So start out, started off with that, with that in mind, where goal is to have, to identify a few folks who are on sort of that edge of leadership and then have someone on the leadership team be a sponsor for them, uh, which is more like a mentor, uh, but also someone who's more closely associated is aware of your work and proactively helping you grow rather than sort of uh, a mentorship, which is more about like bouncing ideas and, and spending time. Uh, is it a program? Do they like actually do like a structured thing or is it just sort of like a, like an, it's like formally informal, like where I have a mentor or I have an individual and then they sponsor my work, they, we, we engage around, or do they have sort of like a structured way that they. So we are figuring that some of those details out now, but the, uh, this one will probably be essentially work like mentorship, but also have a proactive component. So the, the, the and that's, that's why we're using the word sponsor rather than mentor. Uh, the idea is that the sponsor is also proactively looking at like, hey, here are, what are some ways that this person can have an opportunity outside of their area of work, right? Like uh, one of our senior leaders is sort of our director of uh, IT. And, and one of the things I was working with her on is like, here are some ways you can have an impact on the rest of the organization, right? Like, I mean, obviously she's really good at IT and, and she's grown in that area. But she's more, she has more knowledge than me or anyone else. And she's a great leader there. Uh, but there, there are some ways you can have influence and, and work on projects sort of across the company, uh, which are mutually about culture, company building, other types of things. So it's, a, it's really about finding those types of opportunities and presenting them to emerging leaders. Uh, and we're starting with sort of this diversity lens, but it's, it, over, over time it could evolve into a, a much broader program. Yeah, I hope you don't mind all my probing. It's just you guys have like the fortune best places to work in technology, the fortune best places to like you're all like all the publicity about you guys, such a great place to work. So I'm like hype whenever I, you know, not the top 1% of companies are the top 1% because they're the top 1%. So when I get someone like this, like, like you, right, at a company like this, I have to, I have to ask these types of questions. So we find out, you know, what are these great companies doing? No, absolutely. Yeah. And like, yeah, we spend a lot of time thinking about it. Like, yeah, just sort of providing different avenues for growth. And, and that's the one thing we have found about these types of development opportunities, right? There's no one size fits all. Different people have, are in different phases of their career and, and have different things that work for them to grow, right? Like uh, a lot of people learn from their manager. Uh, that's key. But sometimes you, you learn from being partnered with a mentor from a different function within the company. Sometimes you learn from an external mentor and I've had myself, like in my career, I've had different sort of mentors over time and different sort of growth opportunities over time. And sometimes there's the structured uh, management training. We do that for new managers. Like we make sure that they are equipped with all the tools that sort of like you need to succeed as a manager. And like, how do you give hard feedback? Like some of these things. Like, uh, and we extend some of these programs that are traditionally only for managers to also senior engineers and technical leaders. Like uh, for example, this session on how do you give critical feedback, right? Like uh, this is one of the hardest things like as a manager, like how do you give constructive feedback in a way that's received well? Um, so we do a session uh, for managers, but we also included some of our tech leads and uh, some senior engineers because, because ultimately like, I mean, like as you grow in your engineering career, irrespective of what track you're on, a lot of it is around building relationships, like uh, working with people, leading teams, whether by influence or directly, and, and these are skills that are useful to you. That's actually one of the things I think like when I was early on as an engineer, and I see this sometimes with engineers early in their career, it's not immediately obvious how much what are traditionally called soft skills are important. I, I don't like the term because like it sounds like, oh, it's soft. Like is that yeah. like, versus hard? Like but those are super critical, right? Like, and in fact, we have a career ladder that emphasizes that. I mean, there's technical expertise, but there's collaboration, there's people leadership, and, and, and all of these collectively drive your impact, right? Like, and the, the more senior you are in, in, in your career and in, in, along this ladder, the more some of these things play a role. And, and that's sort of important, I think, to even to early on recognize, like, because ultimately, like collaboration, like we are a team and you work most effectively when you're thinking of that versus just sort of individual technical excellence. 
it's incredibly important because relationships are everything in life. And the only way you can move yourself, like you could be, you could be the greatest technical person in the world and you're not going to move forward if nobody likes you, if you can't work with other people. Right. So it ends up, it ends up holding you back uh, in many cases in your career at some point. And, and, and so, so that's why uh, we have this sort of structured approach through these pillars in our ladder. And we talk to people like, Hey, like you're doing great on this area, but like, Here's some areas where you can continue to grow and, uh, and develop. No, we, it's, it's become so much of a topic of conversation on the show that we ended up creating a company from it. So the oh, way wow. we power our show is we have a leadership company. Hmm. So here's the, here was the interesting part. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to do it. Um, people, like, people kept asking about it. They said, hey, we hear you on our commute. Talk to these technology leaders about all of these things, you know, soft skills, communication, leadership. All of this stuff is so important. How do we get our people to learn that? And I said, I don't know. And then uh, we ended up, people kept asking. And so we ended up making a company and now we've grown into about 10 people. So I was very, very excited for life to take me in that direction, right? No, yeah, this, like, uh, this uh, you're exactly right. Like there's this uh, famous quote uh, and I don't know if it's true or not, but like I heard it second and third. And but like this guy called uh, Bill Curran, uh, who was uh, a senior vice president at Google. Like he was uh, you know, at some point my boss on paper, but I would hardly meet him. Like this is the days of Google where like you'd have a person with hundreds of reports and so on. But he's now in Sequoia and uh, he had this quote, which is like, technology is easy. People are hard, right? Like, and, and I think one thing you realize in, in the role of CTO and, and sort of as you, as you grow into sort of engineering leadership, a lot of the things, a lot of, lot of your time and a lot of your mental bandwidth is spent around organizations, people, because ultimately this is how you get things done. Like technology problems. I mean, once you hire a great engineering team, the technology problems will get solved. Like you have really good people. It's all about making sure communication and all of this stuff works really well. I love that quote. Who is that? Technology is easy. People are hard. Yeah. So, I mean, like this was again, like second hand or third hand. So I, but, uh, but yeah, it was uh, this guy called Bill Curran. Uh, okay. He's in Sequoia. Sequoia Capital? Yeah. That's a good company. They're everywhere. Yes. <laughs> They're one of our investors too, by the way. Oh, they are? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. The, the, the people and the leadership skills, it's just, it ended up being so incredibly important. You mentioned uh, workshop. Had, have you ever attended that critical feedback uh, workshop? Yeah, I actually was one of the, one of the people who pre presented there. Like, or oh, sort of get, bring, bring the value, <laughs> my friend. Tell me, give me some tips on, on giving critical feedback. Critical feedback. Yeah. So there's a, there's a few different things that I think like matter. Like I, I'll tell you one dimension, right? Like one, one dimension to it is when you give it, right? Like I like this, uh, there's this example of like, uh, let's say someone did something and then brought down the site and we're debugging and trying to get the site back up. That's not a great, like, it's a great moment to like, Hey, like, let, let me give you some feedback, right? Like it's like, it's just the wrong time. And and, and this is sort of an extreme example that drives the point home, but like there's, like, there's, there's the wrong, like, you have to figure out when is the right time. The other extreme of that is like six months later in some kind of a performance review, you're talking about, hey, like remember like six months back, like on, in, on that month, like in July, this happened, like that's too late. So you have, you have to figure out like, I think like when is the right time uh, to give feedback? Like um, usually it might be a one-on-one -on -one type of setting the next week or something like that. Uh, so, so one, one dimension to think about is like time, like when is the right time to give feedback? The other common sort of issue that happens with uh, critical feedback is what's called the feedback sandwich, like where you're sandwiching critical feedback between good feedback, right? Like so you're saying like, uh, oh, like you're doing great. Like everything's awesome, but uh, something. And, and that's sometimes like uh, it, it can it can not work in a couple of different ways. One is uh, you might dilute the impact of that feedback. Uh, the other one, it might not come across as authentic. And, and so I try to approach a feedback conversation very directly and like upfront. Uh, by the way, praise and recognition is super important. That's one of the things that I think sometimes people forget. And I think relevant, specific praise and recognition, uh, we should do all the time. But when, you're, when you want to deliver critical feedback, I think it's, it's right to... It's good to sort of set the stage and, and, and get into it and then be very specific about what you've observed and the 
impact that that's had and and then what do you want to do about it and it's like these are subtle things but like it should not come across as sort of judgmental or about that person uh, but more about the behavior and the impact that that's had and 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 also good to leave that conversation with specific sort of action items okay like what do we change and how do we do that one thing i also like to do is like think of uh, this as a conversation where you are partnering with them to solve the solve the issue like you are uh, coming at it as helping them do it and ideally uh, you have built a relationship of trust over a long period of time that helps you do this well but i like the way of thinking about it and generally sort of think about it going into that conversation is like hey i want to partner with this person to make them successful and and going at at it with that angle where you're like problem solving together rather than you being here and them being there and you're giving feedback and so on. Does that that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, you want to be consultative versus authoritative, right? Yep. yep. And I and I like what you're I, I first of all, I approve of the session. <laughs> <laughs> I love the the points you hit with the consultation versus authoritative. Um I I like that advice and I like how you also ad- address this build trust with them because the uh, the great leaders and a lot of the advice is is predicated on the fact that you are an influential leader in the sense that people follow you because they believe in you, not because of your title, yep. right? Because that's a way different conversation to have. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, so I really like that aspect of it. I like leaving the specific action items because then it's less of a, we just sat down to talk about how I was doing poorly and more about we sat down to talk about how I can improve. And, and now I've shifted my focus to the exact items that'll get me where I want to be. And I would think the, the last part that I, I enjoyed uh, was, like you said, the, setting the initial focus. If I say, hey, come over here, I want to you know, praise you. I want to give you candy. And then I, <laughs> you come over here and I give you a handful of broccoli and, and, and point out your flaws, you're not going to want to come back to my store anymore. Right? You're not gonna. You're gonna actually dilute the trust with the individual by doing that. Yeah. But by by saying, "Hey, there's this area I want to talk to you. I have some ideas. Like I, I might see a different perspective that you don't see. Let's let's discuss this." That sets the tone for the. I'm going to grow. I'm going to learn. I'm going to go into this thing, and it's like performance review, right? right. Like I like I have to watch videos of myself speaking after I speak on stage when I go around giving my talk, so I can get better at public speaking. Right. I don't yeah. want to, but I do it. But no one's luring me in there to see a brand new hit movie and then showing me my speaker reel. <laughs> right? It's yeah. like I'm sitting down to do this speaker reel. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then like, uh, yeah, we have this sort of uh, uh, twice a year performance review process. Uh, I usually like nothing there to be a surprise, right? Like uh, I, I tell my managers, don't wait for a performance review. Like feedback should be continuous all the time and regular both both praise uh, and uh, and sort of constructive feedback right like uh, the thing that you get out of the performance review is because we have this sort of 360 review process where which i think a lot of companies have these days but like sort of you get feedback from your peers from cross functional peers other engineers that you work with and and that gives you a much more complete and we share all of that feedback directly with uh, everyone like and and that uh, that gives you a more complete picture than sort of what your manager uh, uh, alone can give you and uh, but yeah like nothing in a performance review should I think in an ideal world come as a surprise to anyone like you've been hearing this feedback uh, all the time. Are most of your engineers uh, local like on on site in San Francisco or are they mostly distributed? No it's mostly local so uh, we have uh, Thumbtack has a Salt Lake uh, office which is mainly ops uh, oriented uh, we have a customer support team uh, and other teams there. Uh, we have started to build a small engineering team there uh, as a pilot. Uh, we have a few engineers there. But traditionally, we have been 100% sort of local in San Francisco. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and so you have like over 150 of them there in San Francisco. That's what, right, yeah. I'm there like four or five times a year. What part are you in? Uh, so we are in the same building as Twitter. So it's on Market Street. I, yeah, okay. I like, uh, yeah, it, um, yeah there's, this is... Um, uh, it's interesting because like this is sort of this uh, huge building where like it's uh, we are all we are on one floor, mm-hmm. but the floor is something like I think capacity for thousand people, right? Like and it's oh wow, it's massive. It's a, a, like one block long, uh, 
so we kind of get to sit together and and sort of the, have the whole team that's pretty exciting man and we have a good like cafeteria and culinary team so everyone is well fed <laughs> you got some food there yes i'm on my way <laughs> you should come and visit yeah yeah, yeah i i visit like i said i visit probably four four times a year right now i'm working on um it's first of all the podcast like exploded right Mm-hmm. And so now I get to travel all over the world, like Sweden, Germany, Amsterdam, the United States, all over. And so I'm giving this talk this year. I took the advice, some of the best pieces of advice from like CTO of NASA, Microsoft, Verizon, um, all these you know great engineering leaders that have been in the game for a long time. And I condensed it down into like a uh, like 27-minute talk that I'm going around to conferences and sharing. So I'm, I'm right now I'm talking with um, Yazir from William Sonoma. Do you know William Sonoma, the kitchen company? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they're in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to him about coming out there and giving a talk to some of their engineers. And so if, if I'm out there, I'll hit you up and let you know. That'd be awesome. That'd be yeah. yeah. It's a, and you, you seem like you have that culture because you have the new manager programs, you have the programs to lift up. You, you, you really care about growing your people and sharing that sort of, this is, this is the information that's yeah. useful to, to move yourself forward. I like that style. You're in my tribe. Yeah. <laughs> no, I look forward to looking at your, is it on YouTube or something? I'd love to look. Oh at yeah. 27 minutes. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. We have, we have, um, Alex is our video photographer. So we have this, uh, we just kicked it off and you know, a couple of times in January, we're still in January, right? So I've given it at a couple of conferences in January so far. And so he took the footage from me doing that and turned it into a reel for the rest of the locations. So. No, that's great because like, I mean, I think, yeah, people like, I think Kevin Scott, you, you had on your yeah. show before, yeah. like uh, he's my sort of the, my boss's boss, like my previous boss's boss, like, yeah. and, and I've heard so many great things, but like, like these people are so busy and you don't have access uh, to them. Right. Like, and it, it's great that you're able to, get them get that thing out and then also sort of condense what you heard from a lot of these leaders into into something that sort of uh, any engineer can access and and benefit from so yeah great. you'd love to see the data too like we've got these these deep spreadsheets i know mm-hmm. we love them they're spreadsheets. they work great and yes. we, we tag our conversations we tag we have this thing called the empire clip library where we take all the advice and we have we collected all of this information i did last year i did 230 interviews right mm-hmm. And, and we started, you know, cross-referencing them and talking with them and and refining it. And then we took, ultimately we did this data project and we took the habits of the, the people that get to the top that are most common between all Mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I put those into the talk so that, and it's like, you get a little story and then you get Mm -hmm. a piece of tactical advice. So everything's like interesting story steps you can actually execute because I don't know. You go to a lot of conferences or no? I used to, not recently. Yeah. I used to yeah. go to a lot of technical conferences. Yeah. So yeah. I, I go here and there, but the thing mm-hmm. that frustrates me about the talks is like just me personally, I don't know if it resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Um, the stories are great, but I, I, I always want that tactical advice. Like I want to hear, here's a story, here's steps to replicate it. And it's usually just a bunch of story or yeah. a bunch of steps. And so I like it when they're merged. So I, I structured the talk like that. And uh, I think that's why people have been liking it. No, that's awesome. Because like, I think you're, you're, what you said, like resonated a lot. Like everyone has a story and sort of a path they took that that's different. Right. Like, and, 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 and for one thing, like that's, that's what I think every, everyone should take away is like, I should craft my own path. Uh, but then it's great that you can sort of look across a lot of leaders with very different styles, very different paths. And like, Hey, here are a few sort of attributes that stand out and, and that's super helpful because like an individual sort of tactical advice may or may not work for someone like, because like, yeah, it's like, it depends on the company, the stage and culture and all of this stuff. But when you're looking at a large cross section of people and like something stand out, those are likely to be very broadly applicable then. Yes. And it's very helpful to know too, because, because doing that work now, like, I know how to get to the next level. Like I know how to, to do that. I just copy the people who, you know, did it. Yeah. <laughs> I think right. it, yeah. at one of the talks in the Q and a, someone raised their hand and said, are you concerned about survivorship bias? And I was like, like in your data, 
And, and I, that was actually the first time I had heard that word, but I did my best to reverse engineer what it meant. And I asked for clarity and they said, yeah, the fact that you're looking at only the great people. And I said, well, I'm not too concerned for two reasons. The first one is that we looked at all types of leaders. Mm -hmm. So, and then I just took what was common between the ones that got the farthest. Mm -hmm. I didn't only look at the ones that got the farthest, which would be the survivorship. Secondly, as just hearing about survivorship bias for the first time, I tend to, to, to still think it's a valid thing to do. Like if I'm, if I have any options, my option is going to be to look at the most successful group of people and copy them. I don't think you can go wrong (laughs) with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, and uh, what I've learned is like, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I love like, I love biographies. I love just sort of reading about various people and, but yeah, I mean, I think you, uh, I think it's important to realize like I have to find my own path. Like, May not be the exact same path as this other person because like people have different backgrounds and so on. But but what is that one or two things like like you said tactics and things that they did at that right time that that I can uh, replicate in my career. So any advice that you'd give real quick to CTOs that are that are growing their company like right now Thumbtack is growing pretty well, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So in the time I've been here, like I think two and a half to three years, uh, approaching three years in April, we nearly tripled the team. So. Around 50, and now we are at 150 to 160. Uh, the broader team, yeah, that qualifies for hyper growth. <laughs> yeah. 20 to 30 percent is like what's considered, yeah. or 20 to 40 percent hyper growth. Um, yeah. so advice to any CTOs going through that right now, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, uh, and this is uh, uh, this is a challenge that people face, but more than a solution, but like that's okay. The, the thing to keep in mind is, uh, what what are like as you're growing things have to change right like what worked at a certain size obviously doesn't work for the later size but you have to i think one of the biggest challenges i've seen is like how do i keep the best aspects of the culture that really work well for the company through this phase and how do i evolve everything else right like and 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 then the right steps and moments in time to do that for example like thumbtack for a long time uh, did not have a career ladder we didn't have this sort of like, hey, here's sort of these levels and like this is how you grow in a structured way in your career. And, and the reason for that when was Thumbtack was small, we said, just focus on impact. Like just, just grow your impact. There's so much to do. There's like, you can take on more scope. There's no dearth of problems to solve. Uh, but what we found is like, as people get more tenured in the company, uh, especially when you're very early in your career, you want a more structured sort of framework, right? Like to just observe your growth and then also understand like all the dimensions of growth and so on. And so at some point last year, we, we rolled out this career ladder that was helpful. And, and so at, at like various times in, uh, as the organization grows, uh, there are different needs that emerge and, and how you build the leadership team and, and so on. And I think just it's important to keep that in mind. And there are some aspects of the culture that we want to retain as long as we can, right? Like uh, we have a very collaborative culture. Like we have this sort of value called make each other better. Uh, how do we retain that and like continue to find ways to make that happen even as the team grows. Uh, just foster a culture of close collaboration between the various teams and parts of the product. So that's the, that's the biggest thing that comes to mind. Just being aware of change and embracing change in a, in a positive way as your organization grows, your technical stack grows. Uh, growth's fun, but it's, uh, it's something you have to keep on top of all the time like, and, and try to think ahead. Uh, in some ways, like uh, not let it sort of creep up on you, right? Like just like just like with distributed systems, like you want to plan, plan for like what's our traffic a year out, not not next week, uh, at, like and and not five years out because that's sort of getting ahead of yourself. Like uh, yeah, so that's the balance that I think is uh, is uh, the biggest challenge. I enjoyed that value. Make each other better. Do you have like a quick fifteen second talk on that? Yeah, no, it's it's really about like I think uh, recognizing that you growing uh, and you helping other people grow uh, and other people do better uh, is just fundamental to how a company grows and gets through these phases of growth. Like when the company is growing, like you're adding on more users, like it's just becoming larger and larger. You're adding more people, but you also want to grow all of your people along with that, right? Like and and that's the that's the best way that sort of your company can evolve well. And it's just fundamental to our culture. Like, uh, and, and part of that is, I think, like sharing constructive feedback. And that's why we do this sort of session and so on, because like we actually encourage everyone to share. One of the things I love is like 
we do these 360 reviews and 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 you have like people spend a lot of time like somebody just told me yesterday that they were writing peer reviews and they spend one hour for each peer review right like that's great like that somebody felt like hey I, i'll dedicate a large chunk of my time to give feedback to others like both positive and sort of constructive and 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 that that's something like i really love about the thumbtack culture and i think everyone here uh, loves that people are willing to spend that time and uh, helping everyone grow i love it that's a successful culture man th- i've learned so much from you today i lo- i love it you got the cool name rvp right <laughs> yeah yeah oh, yeah uh, uh yeah it's it's been it's been great chatting with you and I'll, i'm going to look up uh, some of your past podcasts and i, yeah. I love, like just observe, absorbing information and like i love like getting into one podcast and then like sort of uh, spending on like next few weeks on that so i'll probably do that with your podcast look up your talk to like it's been Fant- yeah you got to make that train ride useful right absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'd start with um Microsoft cuz you know Kevin Scott. Yes, yes, he's great. Yeah. CTO of NASA. Yeah. You know it says on LinkedIn that you know Prashant at Asana. Yes, I think I yeah, I, yeah. He's the CTO of Asana. Yeah. I see you have him too. Yeah. Ooh, awesome. Probably just for like at a event and really <laughs> Probably. Yeah, that's right. He's yeah. in San Francisco. He's in your city. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, he he was a great one. So Asana, uh Kevin Scott, NASA, that's more than enough to get you started. See if you awesome. uh See if you like it want to binge a few more. <laughs> Absolutely. Binge watching the podcast. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, and then of course the best one on the planet, RVP's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. If I'm out in San Francisco or next time I'm out in San Francisco, I'll put you on my travel alert spreadsheet. So ping yeah. you and we come by say hello, try out some of that food you said you have over there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that'll be great. It'll be great to have you. Thank you so much. You have a fantastic afternoon, my friend. Yeah, you too. Talk right. soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to help, please take a moment right now to open up the iTunes app and leave a review of the podcast. If you take a screenshot of the review and text it or email it to a friend who needs to listen to the podcast and then CC me, joel at moderncto.io. If you CC me on the email, I'll send you a copy of the Modern CTO book or give you a shout out on the podcast, whichever you prefer. We're trying to get listed on the top 100 for iTunes, and I need your help in order to do this.